Um, but I've, uh, it's been a joy to pastor here and minister to you and visit with you and love you, and I've made friends, and I'm so grateful for that. This morning will be in Acts, and um, it's kind of about transitions in ministry, so I think it's timely. Um, I didn't, there was assigned scriptures each week, so this one just happened to be the assigned one. Acts chapter 1, if uh, you like to have a hard copy Bible, I'll let you look it up, 15, verses 15 through 17, and then we'll skip to verses 21 to 26. So that's Acts chapter 1, 15 to 17, 21 to 26. I invite you to stand with me and hear the word of the Lord and be glad. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, and together the crowd numbered about 120 persons, and said, Friends, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit through David foretold concerning Judas, who became a guide for those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day that when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us to his resurrection. So they proposed to Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed and said, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Which of these two have chosen to take this place in this ministry and an apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place? And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was added to the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord, and we say thanks be to God. You can be seated. Well, Peter wants to gamble. That might bother you. Not Lynn. Folks that uh, grew up through a holiness community, well, they're sometimes weary of gambling. Um, So Peter wants to gamble, and that, that might bother you, but remember, Peter didn't have you know, denominational list of things to avoid. So let's not criticize him too much. Sometimes we love to gamble. I knew a guy that loved gambling. He'd get his check, and the first thing he'd do is go out gambling. We had a family friend who would gamble every week, and my family would gamble and use lottery tickets and... I'm a fan of, uh, what is it where you roll the dice? Roulette? I like roulette. Um, I guess craps is the dice one. Thank you. Oh, some other gamblers in here tricked you. <laughs> <clears throat> so I've, I've had friends who gamble, and sometimes, sometimes we win, and Sometimes we want a little, and sometimes we lose big. That's just how it works. It's part of gambling. And Peter wants to gamble, sort of. Peter's a fisherman, and let's be honest, fishing's a lot like gambling, just less risk. But my guess is Peter knows all the good fishing spots. He knows 
how they hide down under the rocks and how they eat out among the seaweed and the algae. And so we look at him out there in his boat. The night is just getting dark, and he's preparing a fishing trip. He's got a lantern out over the bow, drawing the fish in, and look over his tackle. (sighs) I can't whistle. Fail. Some good tackle, crankbaits, spinners, spoons, jigs, and rigs that I don't even know the names of because I'm not a fisher person. And uh, some of them even look handmade. He's a professional. Setting out for a good evening of fishing in some of the best spots of Judea, he's sure to catch something. He's hedged his bets. He's prepared every way that he could. It's one of those fisher people that you think, well, you're just cheating. You're using all that gear. And there's a little risk for him, Peter, as he's going fishing, that maybe, maybe he'd have a tough night. Maybe he'd only catch a few, but his hopes and his chances were high. Peter wants to gamble. If he can crimp his cards, if he can mark them up so he knows what the dealer's given him. And see Peter in another time. Jesus is out there walking on the water, and Peter shouts out, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. And Peter had to have known it was Jesus, right? Jesus just shouted to them, telling them who it was. And Peter's limiting the risk. But he wants to gamble, so he he has Jesus agree to call him out there on the water. Tell me to come out there, Jesus. He does. But then, after Peter's been out there, well, he starts sinking. Lord, save me. Too much risk. Too much at stake. And following Jesus, that's another risk, another gamble that Peter rolled the dice on, but eventually the stakes got too high for that as well, so he denied Jesus and abandoned him unto death. But Peter, in Acts, he, Peter wants to gamble, and why? What's Peter looking for that, that drives him to keep taking risks that he doesn't want to take? Maybe he's looking for success, daydreaming about what he could do with that payday when it comes. Maybe. Maybe he just knows the world is full of risks, and if he can limit those risks, all the better. Maybe. I have a suspicion. I have a suspicion that Peter knows the line between a gamble and an act of faith. Well, it's, it's thin. And depending on where he lands, on which side, if he can cross the line one way or another, it could be his downfall or his salvation. But he knows the line's there somewhere. Trust, faith, risk, vulnerability. So Peter wants to gamble, especially if he is card sharp when the time comes. If he can hedge his bet, well, now that's a different game. And here Peter is at the table And here's his cards. Jesus is gone. Ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit's descending. They've lost a disciple, one of the twelve, Judas, who was honestly a gamble in the first place. And here's the unknowns. Would the Holy Spirit come to them if they didn't fulfill the scripture from the Psalms? Let another take his place as overseer. Because Judas was allotted 
his own in ministry, and so they need another disciple. And, and Peter, maybe Peter doesn't really gamble at all. Maybe I've got it all wrong. Because when it comes time to place his bets and risk everything on the promise of the Holy Spirit's work, well, Peter shortens the deck. He removes all the riskier cards from the equation. It's like playing roulette, removing all the black, and just rolling on red. So he says, let's take out all these cards. Those who weren't there at Christ's ascension, let's take all these out. They can't replace Judas. And really, really we should probably take out all those who weren't at Christ's baptism either. And let's just pick from the list that we have here, okay? We have 120 people here. We can narrow it down. Let's get it just down to two. If we can get it down to two people from our list, and then after that, let's pray and flip a coin for one of those to join us to be one of the twelve. Peter wanted to gamble, but he wanted to control the deck, to take out all the risk, all the vulnerability, removed everybody from the equation, but just two safe choices. Sometimes we take a gamble on people and it doesn't turn out our way. And maybe, maybe that's Peter's fear. Jesus had taken a gamble on Judas and now maybe Peter's afraid to take a gamble on Judas' replacement. Let's replace him with somebody we know. That seems safe. So they pick these two. Sometimes we take a gamble on people Young man finds out his friends have been talking about him when he wasn't around. One of the friends comes up to him and says, I'm sorry we did that. It wasn't right. I promise we won't do it again. So he forgives them and he spends time with them, again, gambling on the hope that they'll be true friends. Sometimes we take a gamble on people. An old gentleman, old enough to have adult grandchildren, he's a country guy, never seen anybody work so hard. He had an adult son, and gosh, he loved his son. Spent so much time with him, as much as he could. The only thing was, the son kept stealing his stuff. Or asking to borrow money and never bringing it back. It's sad. He took a gamble on spending time with his son and, you know, the dice were not in his favor. Sometimes we take a gamble on people. I had some friends once. They were the sweetest people. I don't know if I'd ever met anyone so generously kind. And they often opened their home to our community, a beautiful family. And the husband, he worked in the city, and one day, somehow, it comes out that he's been having an affair Turns out this isn't the first time. He'd had an affair before, told his wife he'd never do anything like that again. He loved her, loved their daughter, so he stayed that first time, and, and she let him. And now here they were again, going through that mess again, except this time now everybody knows it. And the wife, she's not sure, does she stay or does she go? And the pastor at the time spoke with them, and they went to some marital counseling, and, 
the husband said he wanted to try, and surprisingly, she said she, wanted, she would give it a try. And she took a gamble on him. Now I've lost contact. I, I don't know. I don't know how it landed. Sometimes we take a gamble on people. We risk heartbreak and loss and, and so many other things because, and here's something holiness folk might not know about, the nature of gambling. We risk because we have some hope for what could be. Hope is risky by nature. Fear is not so much risky. Fear drives us to control, to stack the cards, to shorten the deck, to put the odds in our favor. But we might risk it all even if we can't control the odds when we have some hope. So we take a gamble on people that beat us up again and again. And Jesus took a gamble on the 12 disciples. Humans, if we have shown anything, is that we're unreliable creatures. Scripture speaks to that. God, we love you, they say. God, we hate you, they say. And, and sometimes they ignore God altogether. And these are the creatures that Jesus came to work with. So Jesus took a gamble on these 12 disciples. One betrayed him, and the others rejected and abandoned him. Not good odds. And Peter must realize by now, after Jesus has died and risen and ascended, he must realize by now how unreliable and risky those people can really be. But part of him knows there's, there's possibility in the risk, in the faith, in the release of control and power. He's learned about hope since he had been with Jesus. See, he went out fishing, remember we said, all prepared with his gear and his nets and his rigs and his jigs and all night, a whole night of fishing, and he didn't catch nothing. Well, that's how it is sometimes, at least for me. Sometimes the house wins. Sometimes you go out there hoping for the big payday and you come home with empty pockets. And his pockets and his nets are empty that morning on the boat when he's pulling up to the dock and Jesus calls out there, well, did you catch anything? I hate hearing that question when I go fishing. He and his fishing buddies must hate it too. They, they just say very simply, no. They don't expound. They don't, they don't tell a story about the, how they had a really big one, but it got away at the last second. They don't go on about how they weren't really biting that day. No, no. That's all they say. That's how you can tell they had a bad night. No, there wasn't even a story. And Jesus says, well... Toss your nets over there on that side of the boat. And Peter must still have a little bit of hope left in him, all his rigs and jigs and and good fishing spots. Well, they didn't pan out. He'd stacked up the cards in his favor, and he lost. Well, he says, I've been fishing all night, but if just to prove you wrong, fine. I'll toss my nets over, and he does. And, well, there's almost too many fish. And part of Peter knows there's possibility and the risk now picking the disciple that will replace Judas. But part of him is, is stuck on how much is to be lost if this disciple replacing Judas comes up short. So he sort of gambles. Now, after Jesus is ascended and before the Holy Spirit descends, they roll the dice, pick the straws, flip the coin, they cast lots. 
To be safe, they pray, which ironically shows up often in gambling stories. Your will be done, Lord. And Peter, you know, he sets them up good. Either way the coin falls, the disciples will be with someone they know and trust, either Matthias or Joseph or Sabas. And the lot falls on Matthias. And you know what? That's the only time the New Testament mentions Matthias. I can't say how Matthias fared as a leader. To be sure, he must have done better than Judas or we would have heard about it. Peter took the safe bet. And the safe bet, sadly, is sometimes unmemorable. You never tell gambling stories about, oh, yeah, I won. I rolled, I placed one here, and I got one. No, you know, that's not a gambling story you tell. It's unmemorable. It's, it's not a loss, but it doesn't really feel like a win either. It's just very unexceptional. Not bad, mind you. Just kind of ordinary. And maybe that's how Peter wanted it to go. Things had gone so poorly with Judas, it's, it'd be nice to have somebody ordinary. Somebody that won't rock the boat one way or the other. Somebody balanced that would have good harmony with the other disciples. Somebody kind of in the middle way. And Matthias was Peter's man. And as I read the rest of the New Testament, I'm, I'm struck that, well, maybe if, if Matthias was Peter's pick, well, if P- Peter gambled the safe bet on Matthias, well, God gambled the risky bet on Saul to be Paul. On paper, Matthias would be the logical pick. Matthias had his three-year seminary training with Jesus. And Paul was bright, but he didn't, he didn't have that. He hadn't walked with Jesus at all from baptism to ascension. He wasn't there. Matthias already had a positive pre-existing relationship with the disciples. They even gave him recommendations and references for the position and Paul's reference were lacking in comparison. Really, his only reference was that he'd been blinded by a light. And his relationships with the disciples was somewhat hostile. And Matthias would likely agree with the disciples theologically on every point. And Paul was a wild card. Who's to say what he would say or do theologically? It's the difference between memorable and forgettable when you gamble. The difference between hope and fear. It's, it's a gamble. I'll be honest. It's a gamble. I often wonder if God's gambling on us. And sometimes it, it might feel like we're gambling on God when we're, we risk it. We release our control. Take my life and let it be. Oh, what a gamble. What a gamble. And then God's calling us to something, and, and that's a gamble too. 
As new leaders, as I'm transitioning out, I'm thinking of this transition, as new leaders rise for our community and church, Matthias is a great pick, a logical pick, an easy win, but what could happen, I wonder if we stumbled upon a Paul, an unlikely leader that the Holy Spirit wanted to gamble on. Paul was a risk, a gamble of a candidate for leading the church, and yet big risks, big rewards. Peter was stuck in his fear fantasy saying to himself, what if, what if we get another disciple like Judas? And he shortened the deck in his favor. And the Holy Spirit was creating possibilities of hope, saying to the world, what if, we took on a, a, what if we took a risk on the weak, the broken, the wrongdoer, the Gentile, the uneducated, the last? And what if they were made strong, whole, clean, and the first? That's the gamble that the Holy Spirit plays with us. That the weak, the broken, the wrongdoer, the Gentile, the uneducated, the last could become strong, whole, clean, first leaders, disciples, Christ followers. It's a risky, it's a risky bet. It's a risky bet for God, risky bet for us. Take my life and let it be. Ooh, that's a gamble. That's a dice worth rolling, though. That the weak would be made strong, that the first would come and rise up from the last places. That the poor would be made rich, that the blind could see. Could we sing again, Ryan, Lauren? Could we do that again? Trust your judgment, Ryan. What, which, what, Ryan and Lauren, which song we sing? But I think all of those were great songs. Just praying that the Holy Spirit will keep gambling on us and that we will respond to that, that call.